pray. I'm going to pray. You can pray with me, and then we'll dive into this text together. Starting in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God father we are so thankful for your word I love to hear those little voices in our midst this Sunday, saying, thanks be to God. We're thankful that we have the words of Jesus in this Bible that we can still read 2,000 years after His death. That we can be guided by those words, be comforted by those words. And Father, I pray that You would help us this morning to understand more and more of the truth of the Scripture, but not just understand it in our heads, but figure out and see ways through the Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives. And Father, I pray for our church. I'm so grateful for the group of people that call Redeemer home. I'm so grateful for the visitors you brought in today. Father, may you grow us in health, grow us in love for one another, encouraging one another, mourning, grieving alongside one another, May we be the hands and feet of Christ to one another, but not stop there, but seek to go out into the world and do the same. And Father, we pray for our community. We pray for those that are struggling, whether it's with money or with housing or relationships or their health. We pray that Your kingdom would come and that Your will would be done. And Father, we pray that You would use this sermon, use this text to make us all as a community, look a little bit more like Jesus than when we came in this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 So welcome again to Family Worship Sunday. It's fun to have all the kiddos in the room this Sunday. We have a fun passage of Scripture. Um, A lot of repetition in this. Jesus saying, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. It goes in and in and in. It is the Father living in me who's doing His work. So on a Family Worship Sunday, it's tempting to say, all right, let's, you know, maybe we should do something that kids, you know, have, can easily wrap their heads around, like Noah in the ark. And so, 
And then I looked at it and I said, what's 180 degrees from that? Let's explain the Trinity. So that's what we're going to do this Sunday. Uh, so we believe in you kiddos that you guys honestly get this oftentimes better than we do as adults. So I'm going to show you a painting. And this is not the actual Trinity. This is a rendition of it. Um, and so Jesus, in this passage, in the first kind of chunk that we read, he talks about Jesus is in the Father. The Father is in, G- is in him. Jesus is separate from the Father, but they're connected. Jesus is talking about how they're equal. And then at the end, he goes into the Holy Spirit, and we see the beauty of the Trinity here in this passage. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so people like me have tried for years and years and years to help understand and explain the Trinity to people in your seats. And sometimes we use an illustration about an apple. So we're going to throw that up there. So we see the three parts of the apple. We see the outer skin. We see kind of the middle, um, you know, the actual fruit of the apple. And then we see the core. And so this represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in some ways, this is helpful, right? It kind of displays the unity of the three, uh, kind of all together, uh, the three persons here. But like most analogies about the Holy Spirit, it falls flat. Um, so an apple uh, and does not work because the core, the middle, and the skin, they're all separate parts. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit cannot be separated out into three separate parts of God, but they're fully God. So, apple doesn't work. Let's move on to the next illustration. All right, here we go with liquid, solid, and gas. Okay, so we got ice, we got water, we got clouds. Some of the scientists can understand how that turns from water, you know, you know, from gas back into water. But this gives us a helpful rendition because ice, water, and gas are all the same substance. That helps us kind of understand a little bit about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. However, we put a big, can we put their arms up with a big X? X, this also doesn't help that much because the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Father doesn't become the Son. The Son doesn't become the Holy Spirit, but they're separate. This reminds me of a story where a pastor explained the Trinity to his daughter. He was kind of uh, remembering this story. And he said when his daughter was around the age of five, explain the Trinity, the daughter you know, explained it right back to him, 10 out of 10, perfect A+. Plus, you know, it was able to re- recite it right back to him. She totally got it. However, two or three years later, they were in the car driving along, and somehow, somehow the Trinity came up in conversation. Um, and, and so he, and she asked him, she said, I have some questions about it. She said, Daddy, I don't really understand this anymore. So he, you know, put his seminary cap on, went into this full explanation, uh, and felt really good about the explanation, kind of hit all the key points of this. And then she, uh, he looked in the rearview mirror, and she had this super puzzled look on her face. And he, she said, Daddy, that was super confusingly explained. Um, and so if that is the reality of like, there is, you know, this beautiful trinity, which we're going to see in the picture again, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three persons are equal, but distinct from each other. And it's okay if this is hard to get your heads around. So if you're a kid, oftentimes you do understand this even better than we do as adults. But I want to try to take it my best stab at explaining this in the best way that I know how to explain the Trinity. So you're going to have to help me and kind of follow along with me. But we're going to walk away with at least a little bit better of an understanding of what the Trinity is. Okay, so I want you to meet somebody. This is Phil. All right. Uh, Everybody say, hey, Phil. 
So Phil lives at our house. Phil is a who. He has a name. He has one personality trait, which is nervousness. Uh, he is nervous all the time, shakes all the time. Uh, he is a bunny that lives at our house. Uh, so Phil is a who. So the next slide, uh, we're going to come out. I want you to meet somebody else. This is Tidings. Uh, Tidings is our dog. Tidings is a who. Personality trait is he is the sweetest little dude on earth. Uh, loves naps, snugglings, and hates the doorbell. So that is Tidings. Tidings also a who. I'd like you to meet somebody else. This is Diane. Um, all right, so meet Diane. Diane also a who. Diane's personality trait, she is generous, she is kind, she's more of a goofball than you would know that she is. Um, and so what I want you to see here is that all three of these are who's, Phil, Tidings, and Diane. However, they are not all the same what's. And so we'll hit the next slide. Phil's a bunny, Tidings is a dog, and Diane is a person. So the Trinity is different than this because the Trinity is three who's, the persons, but the same what, in that it's, in that all three persons are God. Does that make sense? Raise your hand if that makes sense. Alright, here we go. Alright, so it's a mystery we don't fully understand, but that mystery, we can get our head even, if we can get our head a little bit around it, kind of heading that direction, we will never fully understand the Trinity. But the beautiful part about being a Christian is that we don't have to fully understand every aspect about who God is. And the beautiful thing about God is that He is beyond our comprehension. And so so oftentimes people in my role stand up here and we get ourselves in trouble and kind of get you confused by trying to explain things that God has not even given us the ability to understand. But the beautiful thing is it's no, no less true just because I can't explain it beyond a slide of a bunny, a dog, and my wife. Uh, so the beautiful part about this passage is that we see the Trinity and we can get our heads around Jesus. He's this awesome guy who does these miracles, interacts with people, even dies on the cross to cover our sin. Second part of the Trinity, the Father. We've read about, many of us have some, either an actual biological father or a father figure, or we, we can get our heads around what, who a father is by looking at the men around us. But the third part of the Trinity is what we're going to focus on today. Can everybody say Holy Spirit? Who in the world is that? Uh, so this one is probably the one that we have the least understanding of and the, le- the least talked about of the whole of the Trinity. But I want you to see from this passage, we're going to talk about three points about the Holy Spirit. The first point is that the Holy Spirit goes with y'all. And so that y'all, who, raise, raise your hand if you were born above the state of Tennessee. Yes, so this is a new word for you guys. Uh, so we're, we're going to explain why the y'all is in there, but so give me just a second. Just bookmark that. But Jesus says in this passage, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He's a guide, a comforter, a counselor. This is who the Holy Spirit is. There's something incredibly powerful about this reality, that we are getting God's very life. His divine nature is given to us as a gift to be with us forever. 
And it's not just with us individually. So the text here, when when it's being translated from the Greek, it says He will give you, but the actual Greek word there doesn't uh, doesn't translate well into most people's English. Luckily... We are in the South, you know, has its pros and cons, the South, uh, but one of the pros is that word y'all is actually the better translation of that, which is so fascinating that Jesus, when he talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit, he's not looking at you individually, he's looking at you as the body of Christ. You're a community of people. Kiddos, you are not just an individual, you are part of a family And we get to walk through life together being gifted with the Holy Spirit. And this is even, in some ways, it's hard to get your head around this, but it's even better than when Jesus was here on earth. J.D. Greer, a pastor up in North Carolina, says it like this. He says, the Spirit inside of you, talking about this passage, is even greater than the Jesus beside you. Now that sounds crazy, right? But the reality is that Jesus was here on His time on earth and He was just in one place at one time. Yes, He was God in the flesh and a wonderful counselor, but He was that wonderful counselor for one person or one group of people at a time. But by the power of the Spirit at work in our community and across the globe, we can, he can be the counselor for and the presence of God for every person who believes in Jesus. So think about it. Kiddos, when you get scared at night, that is not the Holy Spirit, just so we clear this up. But when you get scared at night, when my kiddos get scared at night, most of them are old, you know, past this age now, but when they get scared at night or when kids get scared at night, what's fascinating is that the remedy for that fear is that they want one of the adults in their house to either come sleep in their bed or they want to come sleep in the adult's bed. And the reality is, if homeboy here is actually in the closet, me sleeping in my seven-year-old's bed, neither one of us are doing great if that guy pops out of the closet. But just my presence, he falls fast asleep. The comfort of a friend for you adults after hearing tragic news, whether it's your health or there's something with your job, there's something about being in the presence of somebody else. We call it the ministry of presence as Christians. There's something incredibly powerful about that. And the beautiful part about it is you are being told, you're, being, you're realizing that you're not alone and I want you to hear from me that I am incredibly, you know, pro-friendship. Like, I hope you all have an abundance of wonderful friends. They are necessary for our lives. They are made, you know, they're a gift from God. But the Holy Spirit is even beyond that. This is God incarnate, which is just a fancy Bible word to say that God is with us. And we have been gifted, the Holy Spirit, to be with us both in our good times, our mountains, and our valleys. When we're sleeping great at night because everything's going peaceful in our lives and when, there, and when there are monsters in our closets, the Holy Spirit goes with y'all. The second thing about the Holy Spirit we see from this passage is the Holy Spirit guides y'all on the adventure of following Jesus. 
See, Jesus loves you and He forgives you of your sin. We see these two pictures of Olive and Gideon. They got baptized a few weeks ago. They got baptized and what happened in this is an outward expression of an inward heart change that it happened by accepting the love and forgiveness of Jesus. They put their faith in Christ to cover their sin and were baptized. But when those two accepted Christ's love and forgiveness, they accepted a whole lot more than just being washed clean of their sins. What those two accepted, like all of us as Christ's followers, they accepted an invitation to the adventure of following God. When we read the Bible, we read stories like Noah in the ark that I referenced earlier. The dude followed God and led him, God led him on this adventure that was against the grain of society. And that's what he's calling us so often to. There's a song that's been playing on repeat in our car. When your kids hit like teen and preteen, you no longer have access to the playlist. It just, they get in the car and they choose the song. But there's a song by this guy named Colton Dixon called Build a Boat. And he says, I will build a boat in the sand where they say it never rains. I will stand up in faith. I'll do whatever it takes. With your hand in my sails, your love never fails or fades. I'll build a boat in the desert place. When the flood and the waters start to rise, I'll, rise the, I'll ride the storm because I've got you by my side. With your wind in my sails, your love never fails or fades. I'll build a boat, so let it rain. Brothers and sisters, that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. But God is still in the business of leading us on adventures. And they don't always look like the expectations that the world has around us. Sometimes the adventure looks like standing up for truth when everybody else is walking away from it. Sometimes the adventure means standing up to shut down issues, systemic issues in our society and saying, I know this might cost me my reputation, but I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Sometimes the adventure is to earn a ton of money, but instead of using it for your own pleasure, you're incredibly generous to those in need. But the one guarantee that I can give you on that adventure, really two, is that Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will be with y'all, but also that it won't be easy. And this leads us to our last point. The Holy Spirit uses us And He uses us even when we are a mess. That picture behind me is a rendition of Peter giving the sermon that was read at the beginning of the service by JT from Acts 2. He preached a sermon in Acts 2. And you know what was special about this sermon from Peter? What was special about this sermon from Peter was not that he loved Jesus perfectly. It was not that he followed all the commandments perfectly. What was special about that sermon was that weeks prior, Peter, if you remember right, when Jesus needed Peter the most, Peter peaced out on him. When they came and said, is that your friend over there? Peter three times says, I don't even know who you're talking about. At Jesus' neediest time, Peter turned his back on him. But then what happens through the work of the Holy Spirit? Peter is forgiven and he's ushered into this adventure of following Jesus. 
His sins are washed clean, and he's not given a, a back seat on the bus. But he's, it, uh, Jesus looking at him and saying, because of the Holy Spirit, you are leading this adventure. So as we head towards the communion table, we're reminded of the goodness of the Holy Spirit, but we're also reminded that we get to be a part of this kingdom that God's invited us into, not because you're good enough, not because you haven't sinned this week, but simply because you've been invited and washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So take a moment now as we head towards the communion table to be quiet and silent before the Lord and confess your sin.